Hello everybody, my name is Drake Pittman and this is Pass the Jar. Welcome back to Pass the Jar. My name is Drake Pittman. Today we have a very special guest in my opinion. This is somebody I've been through hell and high water with, shared a few beers with throughout our time together. But more importantly, he's somebody I call family. He's my brother. Yes, Shane Murray. Shane, welcome to the Hick Hop Party. Oh, God. <laughs> here we go. I'm blessed to be here, man. Dude, I'm so glad we got to do this while you're home for a little bit. Absolutely, man. It was one of the things I was highlighting on this trip. <laughs> Other than our typical golf trips and Absolutely. reunions, but... Real quick, tell everybody who you are, where you're from, where you grew up. Oh, dude, I'm I'm a nobody around here now. Uh, Shane Murray. I'm 28 years old from Sipsy, Alabama. Uh, went to Dora High School. Didn't really have much going on around here, so I decided to flee the state for a few years. A few being six. Yep. <laughs> uh, so what? Tell everybody what you did to get out of here. I'd done one of the uh, only things in my mind that I, I thought I was capable of doing at the time and really only thing I saw a future in for me. So, like I said, didn't have much going on around here, so I decided to enlist in the Air Force. When you decided to go in, there was a bunch of people you had to consult with. Right? Oh, yeah. Oh, Family, yeah. friends. Family. I had to come to grips with knowing that I was going to be away from like you guys, my friends, the ones that I had gotten close to over the few years, and more importantly, my now wife. She was completely opposed to the idea at first. Hated it. She probably took the most convincing besides mom. Yeah. You know, I remember when we went to see you off before basic. And, you know, I can't leave. I have can't leave my legitimate brother. But mm-hmm. I always say I have three others. And yep. It's you guys. And I was excited for you. But at the same time, I was like, damn it. Is this, is, this was the transition into adulthood that we, yeah. were, we were all starting to take at the time. Yep. And... I remember seeing Cortland and your mom and everybody there. I was like, yeah, this is going to be. Oh, yeah. It was, it was tough. I, I don't think it really hit me until, until the day I was leaving that, oh, yeah, this is, did you think this all the way through? Are you, are you sure this is what you want to do? Cause you're about to make a commitment that you can't back out of once you start. Yeah. One of the things I've always wanted to ask you and we're six years into it, but. I didn't want to. I didn't want to ask you in like a awkward setting. But while we're here, when you got into that car to yeah. go to basic, yeah, what was the first thing that went through your head? Dude, the first thing that went through my mind, I'm not kidding, was God. I hope this dude gets us there <laughs> because the bus driver that took me from Jasper to Montgomery smelled like he had been drinking for roughly seven years straight. <laughs> I was sweating bullets. I was like, just get me to Montgomery, and then we'll handle it from there. But uh, pulling out of the parking lot, it was more of the it was the same thing. Like, ah, dude, are you sure? Did you? I'm just sitting there going over a list in my head. Like, are you sure? Like, did you think everything through? Was this really what you wanted to do? Was there anything else you could have done? But I talked myself into it at that point. I'd done as much research as I could on the job that they had given me, and I felt like it was something that I would be able to handle. It was tough. Right at first, like I said, 
just just getting on on the bus and getting out of Jasper was probably the hardest part at first. Yeah. Now, when you finished basic, that was what eight weeks. Mm-hmm. Did you have more of a sense of you know this is the right thing for me for right now? Dude, so my first night at basic was a little different than well, according to our instructors, it was a lot different than the typical first day at basics because we got there we had two flight delays getting to san antonio so we ended up getting there about three o'clock in the morning well you wake up at five every day so we were coming in on no sleep at all and we had to keep the same schedule because it's a machine yeah so that first day we were up at 5 a.m going through our medical processing dental getting our head shaved doing our drug tests, all that. And at the same time, you're trying to get accustomed to having six, seven dudes in your face yelling at you. You're constantly screwing up. Nothing you do is right the first day you're there. The first probably three weeks you're there, nothing you do is right. So that was a transition because I'm not used to having somebody in my face constantly telling me everything I'm doing is wrong. Normally that's background noise that I hear from family. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's you're knowing your personality and everything. How did you... Did you have to clench down and not try to fire back? Oh, absolutely, dude. The uh, that first was it the first night or the second night. I want, dude. It, it's a blur now. I think it was actually the second night. It was pushing nine thirty, ten o'clock, and we thought we were going back to our rooms for the night to turn in. And uh, they hit us with we had to go on like a probably a mile and a half march, which. Looking back on it, it is absolutely nothing, but at the time, I was like, God, dude, I don't want to do that right now. And it was because the initial drug test we'd done, I don't know what happened or how, but we ended up having to take another one. And on the walk back, it's like midnight, pushing one o'clock. I was asleep on my feet. <laughs> and I'm looking up, and I will say, Texas has some of the brightest stars you've ever seen. And I'm just staring up in the sky thinking, yeah, nah, nope, uh-uh. I need on a plane back to Alabama ASAP. So when you finished basic, what were the next steps as far as, you know, moving and getting stationed and tell us where you were stationed after that. So leaving Lackland, I had to go to Wichita Falls, Texas to Shepard Air Force Base. That was where my technical training was for my job. Spent four months there. Yeah, four months there in... (laughs) Literally the middle of nowhere, Texas, just under the Oklahoma state line. That was that was a, a little bit better. You're still in that structure of trying to get used to how the military operates, but you kind of felt like a human being again. Yeah, like, I know how to walk now, and I can handle the situations that I'm getting into, and I know what the instructors are expecting from me because there for the first month or so of it, you're you're trying to figure out. All right, what do I have to do to get this guy off my back? You're just trying to get by. Just survive in advance. Once you realize, okay, there's a certain way you got to do things. There's a certain thing that they want to see in you, and they'll kind of slack off of you a little bit. They'll give you a little bit of leeway. So learning that was just the hardest part. But getting to tech school, you're kind of transitioning into that. All right, now you're you're getting a small taste of what the actual Air Force is like. When you... Finished all the tech school and everything over in Texas. Did did you kind of get to decide where you wanted to go, or did they decide where you were going to be stationed? Or did they so my job you? had <laughs> tell you a little story. So we're uh, our seventh, 
like seven and a half weeks in at Shepherd at basic training. And we get pulled into this room where they lay a little envelope down in front of you. You open it up. It's got all your information in there and a little booklet falls out. They tell you, hey, look for your, your AFSC, Air Force Specialty Code. That's going to tell you what your job is. It's going to give you a little details about it. And it's going to give you a list of bases to choose from. It's called a dream sheet. You put your top five on there. They'll try to get you in the first one or two, but understand you could fall to the three or four or five mark. So I'm like, all right, cool. I open up this book, thumbing through it, trying to find my job. All right, here it is. There's two bases listed. So I raise my hand. The guy comes over. I'm like, yeah, I don't think my page fully printed. He's like, what do you mean? I was like, yeah, there's only two bases listed on here. And he's like, oh, are you a uh, B-52 crew chief? I was like, yeah, 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 yes, sir. I think. He's like, yeah, you got Barksdale, Louisiana, or Minot, North Dakota. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) So I had a little bit of say in it. My, uh, My dream sheet showed Birmingham, Alabama. It showed a couple of bases in Florida, one in Mississippi, and Barksdale was number five on my list because they wouldn't let me not put it down. Yeah. So you, Barksdale is in what part of Louisiana? That's in Shreveport, Louisiana. When you found out you were going to Barksdale, you were... Oh, I was ecstatic to say the least. Yeah. Uh, we, did, we found out about halfway into our tech school, so about that two-month mark. As when the uh, order started to drop, and we actually had a kid in our class that was, uh, or another class before us, that had orders to Minot, and he was from Texas, and he wanted Barksdale. He was paying, or trying to pay someone $5,000 to take his orders to Minot. <laughs> Dang. Yeah. Obviously, you dodged, a, I guess, a bullet moving to North Dakota. Oh, you, absolutely. You didn't. Were you a little bummed that you didn't get to come back to Alabama, or were you like, okay, you know, this might not be such a bad thing for a while? Well, I guess I kind of knew that Alabama was going to be a long shot, just knowing that the only bases here are reserve bases in Birmingham and in Montgomery. So I knew kind of in the back of my head, just based on the little bit of research I had done, that Alabama was going to be a long shot. But when I actually got there and saw, like, okay, you really only have two choices, it was kind of like a culture shock of, oh, again, Hey, man, did you really think this through? Yeah. So at this time, you were on the verge of marriage. Yep, yep. I had uh, had engaged, or engaged, I had proposed to Corlin at uh, my graduation ceremony at BASIC and kind of left her high and dry a little bit as far as the wedding planning goes. Yeah. I was still in Texas, and she was over here trying to get everything set up. I'm next to no help at all. So uh, we set it up for... The month of my tech school graduation, I was going to come back to Alabama, see everybody. We were going to do our ceremony and then pack her up and move her with me yeah. to Louisiana. How did how did she react to the initial thought of, I'm getting married and we're moving? Yeah. Uh, well, initially, like I said, I told her when I found out that I only had two bases, I had to send her a a letter at the time because we hadn't gotten our phone call yet. So sent the letter out. I want to say our next phone call beat the letter here, but I told her, Hey, my choices are um, Louisiana or North Dakota. So (laughs) do, do as much praying as humanly possible that we get Louisiana. Yeah. 
Well, but, obviously it worked out. Oh yeah, yeah. She uh, she's been incredible through all of it. She got plucked into a situation there where she had to uproot from everything she had ever known. Yeah. And move into a place she had never been before with people that she didn't know. To where I had a little bit of a transition phase where I was I was used to the military to a certain degree. But I had been through enough training to know, like, all right, this is just what I have to do. Yeah. She didn't get that luxury. It's she, You had the time to adapt to, to picking up and moving everything. Yeah. And culture shock can happen. Oh, even, yeah. even in the South, you know, y'all just moved to Louisiana, but that's still a huge, oh, yeah. that's a, a huge ordeal. We talk about how the past few guests I've had, we've talked about how our wives are our driving forces. Oh yeah, absolutely. Obviously knowing you, she, she keeps you straight. Yeah. If it wasn't for her, I can't imagine where I would be right now. Honestly, I love Cortland. Oh dude. It's it's weird that I've known Cortland longer than I've known you. Right. You know, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I about gave her a concussion in my car. (laughs) Went around the curve a little too quick. Oh, I've, I've heard some stories (laughs) from not only you and her, but also her parents. (laughs) <laughs> oh, we'll go into that later because I'm sure Lori <laughs> might give us a listen. She'll remember yeah. that not pretty vividly. Oh, yeah. But y'all uprooted and moved. Mm-hmm. Uh, how did you as a couple adapt? It was good. I mean, we made the most of it. We made as many trips back to Alabama as we could, so we weren't feeling so distant from everybody. But at the same time, we were we had established that, hey, this is this is our life now, so we need to make the most of it. When... When you came home, was it kind of like a tug of war as to who you're going to spend your time with, who you were going to try to make time to see? Because, you know, there's a few times oh, yeah. we didn't get to see each other just because yeah. life gets in the way. Yeah, that was the thing was we were always trying to plan these trips out. And at the time, you're thinking, all right, well, we'll leave early on a Friday, get there Friday night, and we've got all weekend to hang out. But you don't realize just how quick a weekend will go by. Yeah. So the first few times, it was really tough because there's 10,000 people you want to see. Friends, family, people you haven't seen in a while. Everybody wants to know how you're doing. And it was tough right at first because you're trying to please everybody and you're trying to go around as many places as you can. But we kind of, we come to grips with, hey, we're going to do what we can to see everybody. But we need everybody else to know, like, it's not personal. It's not a choice. Like we're not yeah. saying deliberately, "Hey, we're not going to come visit you specifically." We just we physically couldn't. Yeah. Just time constraint. It make did it make you feel a little lucky because you know you could have been stationed in North Dakota, and then you have folks that you have these long term deployments to where yeah. they don't see their family. So just being a couple of states away, did it make you feel like you kind of hit the jackpot as far as you know? Oh yeah, yeah. Coming into it, uh. I knew, like I said, I knew a little bit about my job. I knew where I was going to be headed. And I knew that if we ended up in North Dakota, there was there was a very real chance of me not seeing my family or my friends for six straight years. Yeah. Because that is a haul. You might get a plane ticket once, maybe twice every two or three years. But I knew in Shreveport after I'd mapped it out, I mean, it's just a straight shot down I-20 for seven and Seven and a half hours, like we can make that trip. It is a boring drive. Oh, absolutely. The state of <laughs> Mississippi could not be any worse yeah. after. Can we? Can we just delete Mississippi, please? I wouldn't be opposed. No, to no offense to anybody from Mississippi, <laughs> but Jesus, I twenty through Mississippi rivals the drive north through uh, Kentucky. 
into Lexington mm-hmm. as two of the worst places to go on a long drive through. Yeah. Because there is just absolutely nothing. It's scenic. It's nice. It's beautiful. If you catch a good sunset, can't beat it. But after you've done it 10, 15 times, you'll beat your brains out trying to get through there. <laughs> Moving from Alabama, it, like we said earlier, it's kind of it's still a different culture, even though it's a few states away. Did you feel yourself adapting to the culture pretty quickly? Oh, yeah. And I got I got really lucky with the guys that I got thrown in a shop with. They... They embraced me. They embraced me very well, and they made they made the transition not only for me but for Cortland too because they reached out their wives or their girlfriends reached out to her and made us feel like you know a part of the family yeah. there as much as we could. And now, kind of like you said earlier, like you've known Cortland longer than you have me. Well, I've got guys in the Air Force that I've hung out with now for the last six years straight, and I've got friends that I've known my whole life here that I haven't seen in six years. Yeah, so. It's gonna be it's gonna be tough transitioning back out of that because those guys have have become family too. Yeah. So it's it's bittersweet. You know, it was bittersweet. You leaving, you knew you were about to take a uh, a new step, but then you're coming to the end of your contract. You know, I, I'll yep. announce that for you. Your, your <laughs> six years are up, are almost up, and uh, so moving back home. Is there any kind of nerves that you have oh absolutely dude absolutely I'd, I'd be lying if i said there wasn't because I've, I've gotten so used to to the air force and the military life of everything so structured i know exactly what i'm going to be doing at this time on this day as far as i can see forward as far as the air force is concerned coming back i'm still it's still pretty open right now yeah i've got a couple of job opportunities that are start slowly starting to line themselves up that hopefully come through for me. But right now that's all it is, is hoping and praying. What is your, what is going to be your ending title in the air force? What do you mean? As far as like my job what, title, what's your rank? rank? So I'll, I'll leave the air force as a staff sergeant, uh, E five and a B 52 crew chief. Oh my God. <laughs> I win. Which there's, there's guys that, uh, there's guys that I've, I've worked with that never made it to a staff sergeant rank or the E5 rank and would probably be 20 year lifer guys if they would have, it's a test. You, basically you have to pass a test. Yeah. Some, some people just can't pass a test. And those guys ended up getting out just because they couldn't rank up, but would probably be some of the best crew chiefs or leaders in the air force had they been able to rank up. And then I've also worked with guys that are incredibly book smart that couldn't point out a Phillips head or a flathead screwdriver in a toolbox. Yeah. But are making ranks, so they're sticking around. So it's a it's it's a little bit of a problem right now with the Air Force as far as our, our leadership. And that's one of the things that I'd be lying to if I said didn't cross my mind when the decision was coming up of, hey, do you want to stay in? Do you want to get out? Was I... I don't want to leave these young guys that I've gotten, I've gotten pretty close to now, and I don't want to leave them with some of the people that I see coming up that are going to be those guys that just pass a test, get rank handed to them, and then have no leadership qualities at all. So when you look back and you see yourself kind of going through the ranks, and you see the people that you grew with that were by your side for the past six years, seeing them. Did you see the progression 
to where I know you said you're kind of nervous about leaving them, but did, was there any potential you saw in the guys that you're leaving behind to say, you know, maybe somebody can stop? Oh, up dude, and take absolutely, over? absolutely. There's there's a handful of guys right now that if if shit, for lack of a better term, hit the fan, those guys could step up and run it no problem. And I mean, there's still the guys that are in leadership positions. There's a handful of those guys that actually care about the people and not so much the numbers that are still going to be there looking out for everybody. So that makes it a little bit easier. But at the same time, there's still, there's still that little itch inside of me that's like, ah, these are my guys. We'll tr- start to transition out of the military life. Uh, before you left, you were off the walls, crazy. I think that's been yeah. lightly. Yeah, it's very lightly. I, I can't. I wish I could describe. Like I said, I try to keep this as PG as possible. I, I fail at it, but we'll keep this sentence PG. <laughs> and then just seeing you through the past six years, which we've all seen it within each other, as you know, with our group of friends, is the growth. Yeah, but you get sent us pictures and stuff sometimes, and. Oh, the dude. dead, the so, Deadpool mass fiasco. Please explain <laughs> that to us. <laughs> so, um, my career field, my job, we don't get Halloween off too frequently because we do a nuclear exercise every year on Halloween, and so it just kind of became a theme where, hey, we can't go out and celebrate or you know dress up or have fun, so we'll just bring we'll bring Halloween to the shop to the flight line for us, and. At Party City or wherever, Halloween store, I found a Deadpool mask. And we were uh, lined up for our roll call one day. And I just kind of sneak my way around to the back, slip the mask on as casual as I can. And when my name gets called, I just pop up. It got a good laugh and everybody enjoyed it. So kind of became a trend from there where somebody would come in each year with a different mask or something on. Shane Murray, trendsetter. <laughs> <laughs> but you still, you, you know, talking to you. Throughout the time, you still took it very seriously. You were you were proud of what you were doing. Oh, dude, yeah, no doubt. Um, I love it. I hate it, but I love it. It's it's glorifying to to me and to the guys that actually enjoy what we do. And I won't say are just full on great crew chiefs. There's a handful that are. I won't I won't sit here and try to claim to be one. I just I knew what I needed to do to get a jet in the air safely, and I knew. What toes I didn't need to step on, although sometimes that line would get a little blurry. I'd let my mouth get away from me more than a time or two. But at the end of it all, I was, I, I, I was, I was enjoying it, and that was that was what I liked most about it was just the the enjoyment and the satisfaction I got from saying, "Hey, that plane's in the air because of me." Yeah. So, how many uh, deployments? Did you take part in? Did you have to take? So I've done two full-on deployments, and then I've had two little TDYs, a temporary uh, deployment. One was a uh, well, my first deployment, I got lucky. Uh, we were the first group of B-52s that got sent to Qatar for a deployment. It was the first time the B-52s had been there in 25 years, and we were supposed to be there for a month to two months while they worked on a problem that the uh, B1s were having. We were just going to be there just in case. But we ended up doing a uh, pretty bang-up job while we were there, so they kept extending us a month by month and ended up being about five and a half months in Qatar. 
Then I went to Guam for six months with a month in Diego Garcia, which is a island the size of roughly Carbon Hill <laughs> out in the middle of the Indian Ocean. Just nothing out there. And uh, another month and some change in England. So, <clears throat> were there, for the listeners, were there was there anything you missed? during your deployments oh dude a ton of things a ton of things i missed your wedding that was my first deployment in qatar i missed yours and Brittany's wedding that sucked that was yeah. that was tough I, I still i can sit here vividly remembering getting the uh text messages from everybody that was at the wedding ceremony and i'm sitting there riding a launch waiting to waiting to send a jet up yeah that was my favorite other than obviously you know the whole wedding and everything my favorite thing was uh you sending that long text to us. Oh dude. You sent it to both of us and I got like I got choked yeah. up because I was like, you know, this is my one of my very best friends. I knew ahead of time you weren't gonna be there. Yeah. You got sent out not too long before we got mm-hmm. married. And I think it was just a month or two actually. Like I looked at Brittany and I was already emotional. Cause you know the wedding oh, day absolutely. it's a it's, yeah, an, emotional, it's an emotional day. Yeah. I looked at her and I was like, I didn't think he was gonna get to talk to us for a long time. And <laughs> She was like, "You're you're soft." Like, this is my. I was like, this "I was is my uh, best friend, man." <laughs> I was leaned up against the main landing gear tire, sitting there, and I was, I was fighting the tears too, typing it out. Yeah, because I like I said, dude, I like you put it. We're family. Yeah, absolutely through and through, and that, that sucked. That was my. That was the first big thing I missed during an deployment. But it, I guess, it kind of it helped me mentally a little bit, I guess, because I've also missed. Birthdays, I've missed. Have I missed any major holidays? Fourth of July, but that's. I missed my daughter's first birthday. That was my Guam trip in 2018. So, but like I said, that first trip, that first appointment, it, it really mentally prepared me. Yeah. For, for the being away as much as it possibly could, you know. Like I said earlier, it kind of gives you a little. It raises your respect level and knowing the sacrifice that some of these other guys make that are constantly deployed. Absolutely. For months and years yeah, at a I'm, time. We're, our career field, we're pretty lucky as far as deployments go. It's ramped up a lot here recently just because of, I don't want to, I don't want to down talk any, ba- any, uh, any of the other airframes in the uh, bomber community, but here lately the B 52 has been carrying the load and then some. So we've been ramped up a lot as far as deployments go and TD wise. But we're we're pretty fortunate as far as not having to constantly be gone. We do a six month, and then we might get a year off. Yeah. You might mix in a little one or two months deployment of TDY during that time frame, but it's nothing major. It's it's nothing like some of the guys I've known that's been in the army that'll deploy for nine months to a year at a time. Yeah. Couldn't imagine that. Yeah, we all are proud of you. You know, all of your friends and family. And we're glad you're coming back. I couldn't have made it through it without y'all. Yeah. I'll tell you that. It 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 lucked up, like I said, with you being in Louisiana because we still were able to get together throughout these years. But your presence was missed, yeah. obviously. <laughs> and we're glad you're coming back. We're glad Cortland is back, and we're proud of you. And I'm oh, glad dude, that that means the world to me. <laughs> I I still I still don't feel like I've done anything out of this world crazy. You know, as far as 
making this big sacrifice or anything like that. Like it was just, it was something that I had to do because I didn't have anything else going on for me. Yeah. I was, I was, I was in a rut and I had nothing else. School wasn't planning out. It wasn't fine. I could have been lack of looking, but there was just no big career field lined up for me or anything like that. So I saw the military at first. I saw it as an easy way out. Just kind of a, Hey, I just, I need a fresh start. Yeah. But it, it blossomed. It gave me, it gave me a beautiful family. And I feel like it made my friendships a lot closer. We bonded a lot more. Whereas had I stayed here, who knows what could have happened with us. Yeah. Because like I said, I was on that path to nowhere. It's, it's easy. Like, you know, we in Walker County have the stigma of you either get out or go nowhere. Yeah. But, you know, you can make it here and. Absolutely. And that's one of the things that I've, I've come to realize as my time in the military is coming to a close is that a lot of the stigmatism behind Walker County and being stuck here is just the mindset of the person saying it. Yeah. You don't have to be stuck in Walker County. You can just as easily get a job in any of the surrounding counties and still live just fine and beautifully in Walker County. Yeah. Walker County is not this quicksand trap of I'm in here and I have no way out. You've got to mentally tell yourself that I can do it. It's just a matter of putting in the effort. We we spoke recently in another interview about how certain job fields, you know, do make it to where you have to get out just like yours where you can't just be in the Air Force and stay in Sipsy or mm-hmm. Argo. But transitioning into your life with what's going on with you, your dad, I'm proud of you. <laughs> That's still a. I make the jokes. I make the jokes good enough. You made you made the jokes way before you were even married. I was gonna say, <laughs> I, I, but that's been a long time coming. There, I I was making dad jokes without the qualifications before. So, uh, how old are your kids? <laughs> yeah, so I've got one that is about to be turning three years old, and another one that's coming up on a year old. I'm proud of. Both oh, of them. I'm, I'm glad I'm going to get to see them grow up. Now. Yes, dude. That that was that was a big deciding factor in in moving back. Was we had been there for six years, and now it was it was easy enough with just me and Cortland because, like I said, the trips we could make home was no problem. But once kids started getting involved, and the grandparents started missing them, and you realize, hey, are we going to be here their entire lives? Probably not. So now we really need to start having that conversation of. We want them to grow up with family and friends, and we want them to grow up around our family and friends. So it made the choice to come back a lot easier because we knew that this is where we wanted to raise our kids. But when you have kids, you have to – every decision involves them now. Yep. How is it uh, – you know, open that <laughs> bottle, buddy. How, so how it is uh, – you, you grew up making decisions for yourself. Then you have to make decisions for you and your wife. And then you have to make decisions for you, your wife, and your children. How hard is it to progression of that? Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll let you know when I can actually answer that because it's, it's still a battle. Exactly. It's a day-to-day thing where, especially with young kids like this, you never know, dude. You never know what's going to be what tomorrow might hold for them. It could be the best day ever or could be the worst day and you're dealing with tantrums and meltdowns all day. But as far as 
are you asking like how our lives went or how they changed from just me and Cortland to now it's yeah. the four of us? It was a pretty drastic change because uh, the friends that we had there in Louisiana, we had a pretty good mix of uh, friends without kids and friends with kids. And so the transitioning from hanging out late on a Friday night with our friends that didn't have any kids to, okay, well, Cortland's pregnant now. We can still hang out a little bit, I guess, but we need to be mindful of not being out late and being home at a, at a smart time. And then to fully having kids and being like, hey, yeah, we'll see y'all when we see you. Yeah. But I, I, I'd be lying again if I said that it wasn't very nice when those same friends will hit you up and be like, hey, we're going to go out to Buffalo Wild Wings or something like that on like a Wednesday afternoon. And you're like, oh, man. I wish I could, but the kids don't feel good when really all it is is I just want to sit on the couch and watch TV. Yeah. <laughs> they give you a sense of responsibility, but at the same time, you're like, you know, I really don't want to go out and just, I want to hang out with my kids or I want to stay at home. Oh, yeah. It's, I love them to death and I would, I would give my life in a heartbeat for them. I'm blessed to have a beautiful son and a beautiful daughter. I got extremely lucky there, one of each. But I would, and I wouldn't trade them for anything on the planet. As many good times as I had being single, as many good times as me and Cortland had going out with our friends together, you guys included, I would not trade those kids for anything. Yeah. It's the progression of life. When they get older, it'll be easier to do the things you kind of want to do. But at the same time, they're your main priority. And. Do you find yourself, when you look back at, you know, how things were before Air Force and all that, is there, you wouldn't trade nothing right? Not for what you have now? Oh, God, no. Yeah. God, no, dude. I, I got so incredibly lucky. Like, I can't put it into words how different my life is now than it was six and a half years ago. I mean, it is astronomical, the changes that I've been through. And it's it's quite literally all been for the better. And I owe 99.9999. Actually, I owe every bit of that to Cortland. She completely changed the course of my life. We love our wives here on uh, Pass the Jar. <laughs> Anybody comes in, we love our wives. No, dude. And I, I just I can't put it into words how great she's been. And even through the deployments, that was when it was like eye-opening. Because how easy would it be, right? So you're... Plucked away from your home, seven and a half hours away from everybody you know, and the only person you know in that town is leaving for six months. How easy would it be for you to just be like, you know what? I want to go back home to my family. Screw this. I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this. But she stayed. She was a rock through my first deployment. We had Avery after my first deployment. She's six months old. I get deployed again. Again. Could have just as been as easy to say, hey, now I have a six-month-old. I have nobody here, really. My mom, my dad, everybody's back home. I have very little help with the kid. No, I, I don't want to do this. But, again, she stayed. She stayed solid. She got me through that. Now we have another kid. Luckily, I don't have any more deployments coming up, and I'm <laughs> out. But, even actually, you know, while she was pregnant with him, I think it was her, I think she was eight months pregnant with him. When I got sent to England, so that was kind of a a, a little bit nerve wracking because it was like, hey, 
please God, don't let anything happen while I'm gone, you know? But again, she stayed solid and kept everything at, she kept everything at home running smooth, as smooth as she could with a infant and one on the way. But she stayed solid and made it through that. And that's, that's been a, a big part of why I've been able to make it so far is because I can look at her and say, like, wow, you done this. There's no reason I can't. Military wives are probably the toughest women. Oh yeah, I, they, they catch a they catch a little bit of astigmatism, or especially from other females in the military, and even some males in the military about about being a dependent and only being able to rely on their husband, or in some cases their wives, because there's a lot of guys out there too that are married into the military. But I, I know I can say for a fact the the few that I know and Cortland included in that are some of the toughest women I've ever met. Cortland's a badass. Cortland, if you're listening, I, I, I love you, baby. believe that. You're a badass, and uh, we do love you. So, life in Louisiana, we only we only looked up and got to go down there once. Yeah. And I've been in NOLA a few times, but the lifestyle down there. How did it how did it differ for you? Even from New Orleans to Shreveport, it's it's basically two different places. like it's might as well New Orleans is really a state in its own. New Orleans it gets it gets thrown in with Shreveport just based on geographic location, but New Orleans is a state of its own. And anybody from New Orleans will tell you that. And the same goes for anywhere else in the state of Louisiana. They'll tell you New Orleans is a whole different planet. Yeah. But as far as for me coming from from Sipsy, Alabama to where we live now in Shreveport and actually having casinos literally everywhere was pretty cool to see. It's a it's to me it's a lot like kinda I I would compare it close to Birmingham as far as the structure and the the way things operate around there. I mean it's all built around the base. So everything just kinda funnels in and around. The, the Air Force Base there. But as far as a transition, there's there's a lot of places around uh, where we live in Bossier that kind of remind you of hometown. But it wasn't it wasn't a drastic change. The food is incredible. It's yeah. it's hard to find a place down there that's just, oh God, I don't ever want to eat here again. Shout out to you for not coming back home weighing eighty pounds more than you did when you left. Oh no! I've put I've put on some weight. I've put on some weight. It's definitely the heaviest I've ever been. When we came down there for Fourth of July, you were like, "Come over this table and look," because we had been talking about frog gigging. Yeah, and bacon wrapped frog legs changed my life. <laughs> and Dude, I was they like, are you, "So good!" I was like, "You eat like this all the time." You're like, "All the time." And then you took us to this restaurant that was close to where y'all lived off base. And I was like, "Man, I'm glad. I, I'm glad." I some don't of the live some here. of the best etouffee I've ever had. Yeah. I would have the cholesterol levels through the roof <laughs> if I lived in Louisiana. Yep. Um, so you got you to find that good balance. Yeah, find that good balance. So the food, food's different. Yeah, you know, I'm not gonna say better because yeah. Alabama's got some. Oh food. yeah, no, I, I would put them up against each other any day of the week, and I, I would love to watch that battle unfold, especially as a judge, even in a football sense. Yeah. Oh well, <laughs> not so much if you're an Auburn fan. Yeah. Sorry, <laughs> he toils in mediocrity with yeah. his sports. Other than basketball. We're in everything school, so that's fine. <laughs> oh, if I, if I could name the number of times I see that in a text message a day. <laughs> so transitioning back, is it going to be hard to come back home? 
I would say initially probably so because it and to me it'll probably feel a lot like when I originally left here because I've got those guys that I've gotten super close with there that's going to be tough to leave and I'm going to try to still see them as often as I can and definitely keep in contact with them all the time but yeah it'll it'll definitely be tough coming back but I'm so excited god dude I'm yeah. so ready to be back without with all y'all and family and seeing everybody constantly that's that's been the worst part because you know, like I said, been gone for six years. We talk nonstop every day, but it's just not the same when you can actually, you know, hang out and see each other and actually interact that isn't a text message. Yeah. Well, I was talking to uh, Brittany the other day, talking about how the group text that we're in, it's been going for almost 10 years. I was like, we at least text every day or every other day in it for the yeah. past 10 years. Yeah, well, March Madness 2011, I think, is when it started. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's that. I'm sure there's other people that have had that long. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's just, it's a testament to how close we became over that time period. And, and that was, that was the, I guess for me, it was kind of weird because it was like the four of us, we would hang out every once in a while. But I think me and you were a lot closer than Colby and Dylan were, say, at the time. Yeah. And then it was like, Okay, now we're all pretty close. And then it was like, okay, yeah, now this is just a straight up family now. Yeah. And watching that blossom over what, like maybe a year time frame that it took was, it was incredible. If Colbs was home from Tuscaloosa, it was rare you didn't see us all four together. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Yep. And I stayed single pretty much the whole time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I enjoyed it. Other than when we'd go out and I'd be the extra wheel every time. <laughs> and then I met Brittany. Thanks, baby. I love you. Uh, we all do, you know, and watching, watching ourselves grow through that time before you left. And then so much more has changed. You know, we're all getting married. Mm -hmm. You have kids. We're adults now. Yeah. Yeah. None of us. Like those, uh, what do they call it? Responsibility. Oh, responsibilities. Yeah. Yeah. We have those those wings. Yeah. We have those now. We're not college kids that had nothing to worry about. Um, Yeah. But, you know, that's that's still a testament to true friendship. And yep. that's something that I feel like everybody needs in their life because there's a lot of times I don't I don't like talking about myself too much on the podcast, but there's a lot of times, my my darkest times to where it was before I you know, I met Brittany. Mm-hmm. You guys. Yeah. I knew I could rely on you like y'all were there for when my granddad died. That's when the Paul Wall thing yeah. started. <laughs> yep. Yep. Remember and, that uh, vividly. I believe I'm the one that took the picture that sparked that. Yeah. And then most recently my mom died. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for keeping in contact with you guys, Britt and my dad, uh, it was rough. Yeah, dude. And when all the anxiety issues that I had been previously diagnosed with that didn't bother me yeah. until all that started, other than Britain, you, were the, you guys were the first ones to know about it. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I got to go MIA for a while. Yeah. But – yeah. I, I, especially the first deployment, I went through a, a similar thing there where it was, it was a mental battle of just trying to make it to the next day Yeah, where I was like, I can't do this, dude. I've never, this is by far in a way, the farthest I've ever been away from home and I'm plucked out in the middle of nowhere. I was still very fresh to my job, still trying to make a name for myself as far as not just being a new guy screw up <laughs> and it was like I would go to work, get hounded all day, try to fix as much as I possibly could, 
still screw things up, get back to my room, lay down and at some point just like let it all out. Just either anger, frustration, going to the gym and just banging weights, trying to let out as much frustration as I could or sitting there talking to Cortland, trying to get out as much of the anxiety as I could. But it was, it was that little piece of like, I don't know if it was a voice in the back of my head or what it was. It was just like, you've got to see this through. You've got to make it through this because there's so many people back home that in my mind, I felt like I didn't want to disappoint y'all. And to me, it felt like if you quit or you try to chicken out of this or you, you do whatever, you know, you're going to look like a failure. And that was the last thing I wanted was to look like a failure to you guys. Cause I felt like, I felt like I, I had to do right and I had to do good for everybody. And then I slowly started to learn like, Hey, these guys love me. Yeah. These guys are going to love me no matter what happens. I feel like we open up about our screw ups with each other. Yeah. So much easier than you would expect somebody yeah. to. We, our other friends, you know, they've talked about the things they've gone through as well. And it's just that bond we have. Yeah. And that's gotten you through the Air Force that, you know, along with Cortland. Obviously. Oh, yeah. Cortland's number one on this list. <laughs> Shane would not be here without Cortland. That's I'm just going to. That gonna, is a stone cold fact. I am throwing that wholeheartedly oh, yeah. out there. You would not and be here I without Cortland. I wouldn't Corlin. disagree at all. We also got through our, our tough shit with each other. And I'm sure the other two would vouch. I'm going to have them over one day. Yep. They would vouch for the same thing was, you know, the toughest times. I'm glad we were here for each other. Yeah, dude, no doubt. But we also had some wild times. Oh, maybe one or two. Oh, maybe one or two. Just a handful. <laughs> um, we'll we'll let you in on the hick hop party joke before we go into Shane and I's memories. Is we both keep in contact very often about this YouTuber that reviews country music, and uh, if you're familiar with Upchurch, he this YouTuber referred to his music as the type you would hear at a hick hop party. So that, which is very degrading. Yeah, that term has become like a. Inside joke between us, we throw around hick hop party pretty frequently. <laughs> uh, so there's absolutely nothing wrong with a nice field party, or as he would put it, a hick hop party. Yeah, we had some hick hop parties up on a uh, beer bottle hill. Oh yes, the West Jefferson Fire Fridays were a huge staple in our lives. That was the spring, winter, summer, fall—you name it—for Pat for three years. Oh, at least it seems like yeah. that was the thing. Yep, and. So, you know, coming back home, you know things are different. We, Absolutely. We, we can't do that crap no. anymore. I, I'm, uh, I'm going to invest in a small fire pit for the backyard. It won't be anything like the 45 truck tires that we just randomly find and light on fire back in the old days. But we'll have a, a more sophisticated Fire Fridays. Yeah. We're not going to be, well, I was going to say we won't be pounding neutrals, but... <laughs> They'll, they will be there. Well, yeah, absolutely. It just hurts us more. It'll hurt us more. Yeah, it's it's more of a um a pace yourself deal now, whereas in the past it was a. Uh, I'm nineteen, twenty, twenty one, twenty two. There's no limit. Now, now you got to be a little bit wiser about it. You got to be a little bit smarter. Plan your day out prior to it. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I was talking. Uh, I can't remember who I was talking to about it was how. When we all got together, we wouldn't hesitate to stay up until the freaking sun came up. Absolutely. Whether it was drinking or talking, mm-hmm. either one. And now is like the last time we all got together. We went out and ate dinner, played at a game for a couple of hours, and we were all tired. Yep. <laughs> yep. I think we were all in bed by midnight. So coming home, 
you're you're kind of used to it, but is it going to be hard to like say things have changed a lot since you know I've been gone? We can't we can't have the river parties and stuff like we used to. I don't think it will, just because uh, I mean that's that's pretty much been our life there in Shreveport now. I mean we we would meet up with our friends there, and a lot of them have kids, so we would meet up with them maybe once twice a month, have a little game night, let the kids play, do their thing. But I I don't think at least I know I don't. Um, I'd be willing to bet my life Corwin feels the exact same way. <laughs> I think we're both at that realization that things cannot be like they were before, just because of the responsibilities we have now. The fact that we're older, a little bit wiser. Oh, uh, I'm I'm gonna go far <laughs> past a little bit. Uh, that's what Ricky and Ricky Hedrick and I were talking about. Was we have all these good times we talk about and. Many people may not know. Oh, they were a party animal, blah blah blah. But you know, these days we're responsible adults. Yeah, we we we, we we lived through our our little wild phase. We made it out of it unscathed for the most part. Yeah, but I I would say that those days and those those times kind of helped mold us a little bit. It it did it it helped us grow up. If if nothing else, it showed you what not to do. <laughs> There's a few instances uh, where I know it taught us what not to do, and. It's weird, you know, me and Colby both always talked about how we thought we were going to die at a young age. Oh, yeah, in a ball of glory. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And uh, we made it past that, and we're glad, obviously. It it changes for the better. And going back to the things where we, we learned what not to do, the first huge lesson I think we all learned as a group, and it's one of our most infamous stories that we try to tell our wives and We'll tell our children one day. We went to a Braves game. We, it was us four. <laughs> we took a weekend in Atlanta, and you you don't put your betting money on a cab driver to wait on you for a long time. Oh, buddy, do you not? Because oh my word, we trekked from Turner Field uh-huh. at the time. This was RIP yeah. to the Ted. We trekked from the Ted to Peachtree Street, which now. If you pull it up on a map, may not look like that far because there are roughly 782 Peachtree Streets, which we also found out the hard way. <laughs> Very much so. We uh, we trekked through downtown Atlanta at midnight. At midnight. And uh, it's also worth noting, we stopped off at a Gladys Knight's Chicken and Waffles. That's closed down now. Is it really? It's so sad. That's disappointing. Gladys I'll, Knight's Chicken and Waffles changed my life. I'll never forget me and Dylan. Telling the uh, waitress we had there that we were a part of the Auburn 2010 National Championship team because we had bought those Chinese replica <laughs> rings. <laughs> One of you were, was the punter, right? Yeah, uh, I think Dylan was the punter and I was his long snapper. Yeah. <laughs> Colby and I were just letting I you just have your moment A couple of the boys along for the ride. We uh, <laughs> we we made that long trek. It, it said it was like three miles. But Jesus Christ, it felt like it was a whole Well, we had day. also been at the ballpark since, I think, like 11 a.m. Because it was a noon game. Yeah. They got rain delayed twice. So the game ended up finishing up around like 9.30 or 10 o'clock. And then we were like, all right, we'll just catch a cab. Little did we know. Yeah, our cab. We tried calling and they said, oh, yeah, we're outside. And he, he was not. Where? Yeah. Because <laughs> we were out there. Apparently he had the wrong Turner Field. <laughs> If there's any youth Turner Fields out there, yeah, he he was not at the TED. That is 100. Uh, that is a factual statement. 
And I remember we stood there for a solid hour trying to figure out what the hell to do. Oh, yeah. Until we just saw, there's no We just had that realization of, (laughs) boys, we're either going to be here until tomorrow or we're going to walk ourselves back to the hotel. And that's nothing against Atlanta as a city because that's a great city. But when you have to walk two miles through, we walked through underground Atlanta. Yep. We had to walk through some shady areas. Yep. Even gave gave some homeless folks our uh, leftovers. Oh, yeah. I mean, just a couple of good old boys. Yeah. That's, that's what they, we do. They're super nice. Yep. Yep. And uh, I think it that was definitely not, was not for the fact we were scared for our lives. I mean, I'll go ahead and say that. I was <laughs> petrified. <laughs> we, uh, I think that was the night we went from boys to men. Yeah. Oh, I'd definitely say so. We, we, we done a lot of growing up over that three yeah. mile walk. Uh, the, my, other than that part, my favorite part of that, uh, favorite part of that trip was, when I had Colby convinced for three months that he got charged for punching that <laughs> hole in that wall. I was like, you owe me 250 bucks, bro, because the hotel was in my name. I let him stew on that one for a while oh, before goodness. I broke it to him. Bless his heart. We, we love Colby James. Oh, absolutely. Uh, we, we've had a lot of good times together. Like I said, we share a few beers and memories. Mm-hmm. And I can't wait till you're back home. You know? Oh yeah, dude! I'm counting down the days now. I've, I've I put it off for the longest time, especially once I hit my one year. When I was like, "Oh God, dude, twelve more months." Yeah. That's all I've got to do. I got twelve more months to make it through. I'm down to five and a half now. I, I avoided putting a countdown on my phone up until about two or three weeks ago. I remember the last time you were home. You you had your exit strategy mapped out yeah. already. Yeah, we were on the golf course, and you explained the whole thing. I was like, "Yeah, he's ready to go." That was that was it, man. I was just it's it's not so much of me hating the military or anything like that because I love it. I like I said, the structure it it helped me tremendously from where I was to where I am now. I it wouldn't be it wouldn't be nearly as as good as I am now, I guess, for lack of a better term. But just coming home as often as I was and seeing you guys, it really helped me. Like, no, this is this is where I belong. Do you have a <clears throat> kind of a renewed sense of pride of being from here? Oh, absolutely. I'll be honest with you. When I first got there, people would say, you know, like, it's it's common. Hey, where are you from? Where are you from? I'd give it just a generic, uh, Alabama. Oh, okay. Well, after about a year or so, I started meeting some people from Alabama that were still that were there. Like, okay, what part? Well, I'll just throw out Birmingham because it's the closest big city. Yeah. They're like, oh, dude, well, I, I grew up in Gardendale. I'm like, oh, okay, well, you know where Dora is? <laughs> yeah. Oh, hold on now. Yeah, I'm, I'm from Sip Town. Yeah, you ever been to Sipsy? <laughs> you might have passed through there once or twice. You probably wouldn't recognize it. Yeah. You ever drove to the lake? You yeah. Might, you might have passed through my parts. But <laughs> it took, like I said, about a, about a year or so into it, it was, it was, uh, it was like, I guess, yeah, like that sense of pride of like, all right, yeah, no, I'm, I'm from Alabama. To hell with where y'all are from. Let me tell you why Alabama's better. I used to be like, yeah, I live about 25 minutes northwest of Birmingham. Yeah. But now I don't hesitate. Like, I live in Jasper. Yeah, exactly. I'm from Empire. Yep. <laughs> I'm proud of it. Yep. We we have a podcast about like, Yeah, yeah, haven't you heard? Terrible events, but we have a podcast about yeah. Empire. Check us out. Uh, you should listen to that podcast. Oh, dude, it is. It'll bring chills. It'll bring tears. It makes you. It'll 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 put your mind to work. Empire's a screwed up place. Oh yeah, it's sketchy. And I'm I'm very glad that the podcast is is doing as well as it is, and it's 
it's not holding back either. No. It's not trying to sugarcoat it. Yeah, it, Empire is not a place to be sugarcoated. Yeah. It's it's a special place, but it's also a dangerous place. Yeah. And everybody from their hometown may say that. But we're glad you're coming back. I'm glad. I'm I your your progression over these past 6 years, I I'll equate it to like that of a TV character because you went from this nonchalant zero Fs given to you have multiple reasons to live for. Yeah. And you're more responsible. Oh, you're, yeah. you're still the same Shane. Yeah. Right? yeah. I, and that's, I don't want to get too deep on here, but, uh, I mean, I, I will. We're kitty pool. On the show. Okay. That show. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, I'm about to open it up for you. So it's a big problem, especially in our career field. And even at our base, the last couple of years, we the suicide rate has skyrocketed. And a lot of times, it's it's because people just mentally break. But for me, because I'll get asked, you know, like from some of the newer cats that are struggling, like, "Hey, man, like, what do I do to what do I do to get by?" And there's no there's no easy answer to it. There's no I'll oh, just toughen up, be a man. There, there's none of that. Like if if you don't have a strong structure around you, friends, family, whatever it may be, you're a lot more susceptible to that crumble. And I owe a lot of that to you guys, to Cortland, to my family, all that. You guys made me mentally strong. Yeah. And you helped me through a lot of the dark times at, at during my career in the Air Force. But uh, I don't want to get too deep. I don't want to get too deep. <laughs> I feel like... <laughs> I feel like a dad watching his son grow up because, you know, I'm a couple of years older than you guys. Yeah. You always call me Uncle Drake anyway. Yeah. <laughs> you're the first one to hit 30 in your group of friends and all of a sudden you're angel. Yeah. I, I, like I said, dude, you guys you guys definitely had a large part in, in my progression. And the same with Cortland and family members. I, I wouldn't be – I done I done very little to get where I am. You guys done more for me than you'll ever know. Well, you've done more for us. You uh, seeing you grow up so quickly, I guess that sped us up in our progression as well. Because when you left, it wasn't like we parted ways, but our lives started progressing too. It was like you were the catalyst for it, and that's why friends are important. You need a solid core. Yeah. If if you whatever your sexual preference is, your spouse is super important. So, seeing you grow, seeing you grow a family, a beautiful family, that I can't, I can't wait to hang out more with. You know, <laughs> I'm gonna, we're gonna be giving you your both of them golf lessons. Oh, dude, absolutely! ASAP. I cannot wait for that. I'm, I'm your golf coach. Yep, hundred um, percent. And again, thank you for that. I wish, wish we could throw clips. Of, maybe one day, maybe one day the podcast will make it big. We'll have a little video section here yeah. for the for the subscribers. Premium, yeah, we might throw a little premium down there, charge them a few dollars. Hey, this content's worth it. Yeah, especially if you saw where my golf swing came from the first time Drake took me out on a golf course to now. He went from laughing stock to almost tying with me one day. A teacher has forget that student hasn't beat the teacher yet. <laughs> oh no, oh no, I'm still uh, chasing that dream. But even with the uh, student and teacher aspect we have become teammates and oh yeah sadly we're unsuccessful so we we've got a we've got a bit of a mental block in the broken yeah we we we've uh we've gotten better we've gotten a lot better from the first time 
that uh that first course down at uh, was Senator. Yeah, down in Prattville. Yeah, that was uh, that was a rough outing. I don't think I should have stayed up till three a.m. getting uh, my mind ready for the golf match that was going to take <laughs> place at seven a.m. in Prattville. The biggest mistake you made was going to Dylan's house that night. Oh, absolutely, no doubt about that. Shout out to Dylan for the mental warfare he put on me. <laughs> no, no roles were reversed. These days. Oh yeah, yeah. Now I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm a more of a mental warrior on the, uh, on the golf course now. But uh, yeah, we've, uh, we've, we've scratched the surface of, of what we could be. Yeah, we've just got to get over that mental hurdle of Dylan. We've, we've got to come into our next match knowing Dylan's going to hit a sixty footer that he has no business hitting. Yeah, yeah. Now that he's got that rock bottom putter. Back oh yeah, the uh, the we're forty five pound weight. Yeah, yeah, we're in trouble. Yeah, Dylan, we love you. Colby, we love you. But we're throwing down the gauntlet. Absolutely love both of y'all. But at the same time, both of y'all can kiss my butt. Yeah, <laughs> kept it PG. I'm proud of you. Hey, dude, I'm trying. I promised the mother in law I wouldn't get too crazy on you. <laughs> we're throwing down the gauntlet to you too, though. Uh, the Brophy Cup is coming to the home team eventually. It has to. It has to. We were Team wow. Bucket Hats. Man. Dude, we were Team Bucket Hats is is always going to have a, a shadow over me. I'll I'll be living in that shade for the rest of my life because of how close we were. They're the Tommy Tuberville to Alabama <laughs> back in those days to us. They just they have our number. It, sometimes you don't know how it happens. It happens. It shouldn't. Yeah, like we we could show up just on. Any given day on any given course, and know that we should outperform them, and they will still somehow find a way. You remember when Colby Colby chipped in at a, on number two at the Senator, and he gave us the Tiger fist bump. I believe and looked it was us right from a bunker. Yeah, if or it was, no, he was just, just outside on the, of yeah, he was okay. just on the fairway. But he he, he gave us the Tiger fist bump, and in that moment, I knew that we were in for a long day. <laughs> he peered through our souls with that fist bump. Absolutely, like he looked us right in the eyes. I was I was a shell of a man on every tee box after that. Yep, yep. Colby, Colby and Dylan both have that killer instinct. Oh yeah, I, ice in their veins. There's there's no doubt about it. <laughs> I'm the king of shakes and missed putts, and even our last one. I remember uh, we were on a par three, and you had teed it up, and Dylan and Colby both looked at me and they said he's awful close to the, to being outside of the tee box, and I was like. Oh, Shut your mouth. Don't say a freaking word. They're like, if he stuffs it close, I'm calling him out. <laughs> we're going to blame that on, <laughs> I've told you this, but we're going to blame that on that shot of Tito's and uh, Jack Daniels I took prior to that yeah, tee box. absolutely. It was cold. I had to warm up somehow. Right? That was another mistake. I think I had on three layers of pants that day, just trying to keep the core temperature at at least freezing or a little above. We have picked the worst times that's another thing I'm looking forward to about being back is actually having a Brophy Cup and some and some nice weather and not end of November, early December, freezing cold, playing off of yeah. God knows what kind of surface. This la- The last one, the wind was blowing about 25, 30 miles an hour. We're on top of the hill, on, the, on top of this mountain up in uh, Homewood in Oxmoor, and it was about 40 degrees. Wind chill was probably about 30. We just we got outlasted mentally. <laughs> yeah, oh, no doubt about it. the The rain started to set in. I think it was on about fourteen or fifteen. We started getting that little bit of a light misting. Yeah, and it was just, it was just enough to annoy you. Yeah, you weren't soaking wet, but you were just wet enough to be mad. Factor that in with the wind chill. Yeah, they just they outlasted us mentally. We still had a chance. Still had a chance coming up eighteen until I think it was Colby piped that one. His second shot on that par five onto the green. Yep. 
and I'm like three ten out with a five one in my hand, praying to God I get it anywhere near the green. And then when uh, when I snap hooked my three wood into the the abyss on the left on that hole, <laughs> I just looked at you. I was like, "Oh yeah, we're done." Yep. you know I didn't care from then. Yeah, we shook we shook their hands in the fairway, <laughs> and but you know even though we're we're best friends and we hang out all the time, the competition's still there. You have to have it. You have to have it. it. That's it what makes it honest. fun. Yeah, you know because. You would think, uh, it's student hasn't mastered the teacher yet. No, but no. you know, I gave Colby crap for so long. Like you haven't beat me yet, yeah. bro. And <laughs> now that we none of us play golf that often oh, anymore, God, it's no. a complete toss up. These yeah, days. yeah. At, at any point, any one of us could come out and shoot 175 or 75 or 75. <laughs> or if you're Colby, you might come out and shoot 60. That second, <laughs> I remember on Dylan's in Dylan's bachelor party when the first day he could not hit a ball to save his life, which we played through a hurricane. We're going to shout that out real quick. We played golf we in played, a hurricane. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I remember, what was it, like hole number four, I lined up 75 yards right of the fairway trying to get one to catch the wind and blow it <laughs> back in. I think I put it somewhere in the golf. And then the next day, it was perfect weather. Yep. And Colby destroyed all of us. Yeah. Yeah. That's what Colby James is capable of. He, exactly. He's capable of making you feel great. Yep. But then at the same time, he's capable of destroying He's a mental every, warrior. Yeah. He's just, he's destroying your humanity. Yep. <laughs> Love him to death, though. Love yeah. him to death. But that's, at the same time, go to hell, Colby. <laughs> that's our bro, that's the little insider on our brophy cup that we yep. tend to do when we all get together. It's only happened twice in a seven-year span. Yeah, we got to get more consistent. Oh, I'm sure we will soon. <laughs> but uh, that's... I also want to give a quick little shout out to uh, this newfound rivalry we have with the um, North Alabama folks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Curious to see where that one takes off. A little Ryder Cup event coming up this summer. I have to keep everybody informed yeah, on that. I'm, yeah. We're pretty, uh, we're, we're steeped in competition between all of our, all of ourselves. And we have a few friends from Huntsville. Mm-hmm. And we decided to build teams and take those guys on. So if you're familiar with the Ryder Cup, you know it's USA versus Europe. And this is going to be. Central Alabama versus North Alabama. Yeah. If there's any South Alabamians listening, you want to get on this, just let us know. Oh, absolutely. Reach out. We'll gladly come down and beat <laughs> yeah. you. We've, we've set out on a mission this absolutely, time. Absolutely, dude. We've, we're due. We're due. Maybe Dylan and Colby will carry us on that <laughs> one, too. <laughs> now, this will be this will be the one where Dylan can't make a four-footer. <laughs> yeah. We're also inconsistent. You know, <laughs> golf is golf is that, the thing that brought us together. It really is. And... That's the craziest thing to me was when me and you first started hanging out, our friendship kind of blossomed over golf. And until we hung out, I had never picked up a golf club, never had any inclination, any want, anything at all for golf. I, I enjoyed watching Tiger tear it up for yeah. years on end. Who wouldn't? But as far as actually getting out on a golf course and playing it, I could not have cared less about it. And then... I think you took me up to the driving range. Or I met you up there one day, and I think I had on blue jeans, a pair of boots, and a um, sleeveless Nike dry fit. <laughs> Folks, if this <laughs> when this episode releases, I still have this picture. It's going up. Oh dear God! <laughs> this so when you see this picture pop up, no, it's just not me being spammed. This is Shane Murray and his first time at yeah. the golf course. But I think I hit one good golf shot out of roughly 140, yeah. and I was hooked. <laughs> I was hooked. I knew I hit one, and I was like, "All right, 
that one birdie is what keeps you coming back. It is. It is. I remember the first actual time you came onto the golf course with us. You know, we were all hanging out at that point, but you were new to golf. He shows up in a t-shirt, a some kind of Auburn visor with his hair poking out of it at the time. That was a trend. And uh, fishing shorts and toms. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, that's <laughs> 100% accurate. I had forgot about the toms. We're out, out there in our tucked in polos and shorty shorts. I and... did not belong, to say the least. I could not have been more out of place. I couldn't have felt more out of place. But I was out there with my boys. Yeah. So that's what, that's what, that's, I think what kept drawing me back to it was, hey, all of my friends are into this. Let me see if I invest a little bit of time, a little bit of energy. How, how far will this go? And now you can ask my wife. <laughs> she gets a little annoyed at it sometimes, but <laughs> it's, it's, I think it's the thing that's kept us close or started, or it got us close. And up until this point now with me being gone, it's the one thing that we've always looked forward to when I come home is getting together for a round of golf. Yeah. And now that I'm about to be back, it's something that we can look forward to at least, if not weekly, bi-weekly. Yeah, for sure. You know, it, we have a lot of things that we talk about, but golf is always oh, golf's at the <clears> forefront. The central yeah. commu- form of our communication or life in general. Yeah. But I remember when I started teaching you, and that's when I got a sense of your work ethic as a person. because. It was, let's go the drive. You want to go the drive range? You're like, yeah, I'd be done. And you're like, oh, hell no, we're not leaving yet. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, I guess it's kind of a blessing and a curse. Like anything I've ever tried, I've, I've never, pi- I've never picked up a sport or anything really and just been like, okay, I tried it. I didn't like it. Yeah. I'm done with it. I've always, if I, if I started something, I wanted to see just how good I could be at it. Yeah. It's something I've, I've always wanted to see things through. That's golf. Baseball, football, whatever it is, it's, I don't know if it's just something in my brain or what, but it's always been like, you started this, see it through. Yeah. And I think that helped me a lot in my military career too was, hey, you started this, you made a choice now, see how far you can take it. Yeah. But that's, that speaks a lot to you as a person. If anybody listens and knows Shane knows that he's, he doesn't give up very easily. And, uh, and speaking, I think my wife can attest to that too, because there was probably a few times where she wanted to kick me to the curb, but yeah. I'm just too persistent. Corlin, you're the real MVP here. Let's face it. Um, back to your work ethic. Remember the time? Uh, we're gonna close out with this little memory because you about killed me one night. Oh God! <laughs> you know it's gonna come to your memory. The only reason it sticks out in my memory is because, like I said, I, I about died. We were up on Beer Bottle Hill in the Xterra. Shane used to drive this uh, wide Xterra, and it had a luggage rack on top of it. We had He had eight people already in his car, and the vehicle I drove at the time was not going to make it up the hill. So I just jumped on top of the luggage rack. In full disclosure, I got about halfway up the hill and forgot you were there. Yeah. So, fair enough. <laughs> Shane goes, he loses track of where he's going. We end up on this four-wheeler trail, which is too narrow for your car. Oh, yeah. You slam on the brakes. Almost threw you off. Uncle, no, Uncle Drake ends up on your hood. On well, the like ground. I said, oh, you did make it all the way off. Yes, I made it all the way off. Okay, yeah. So, like I said, we get about halfway up this hill. I made a wrong turn at some point and turned down a four-wheeler trail. And I'm thinking, hey, I'm young, dumb, and I can make it. So, I started giving it as much hell as humanly possible in this 
2004 Nissan Xterra. <laughs> and um, I don't think anyone in the car at the time reminded me that you were also on the on the roof. <laughs> so, me being young and dumb, my mindset was, yeah, just give it hell and we'll get there. Until I got rutted out. I Like I said, I don't You remember. see a human body flying over. Yeah, I, I don't completely remember you falling all the way off the car, but I will take your word for it because you were there. I wholeheartedly remember it. That was uh, that was the scariest moment of my <laughs> life. Uh, I saw my life flash before my eyes. <laughs> We've had some drunken memories. It's, that's part of growing up mm-hmm. in the South, I guess, or even growing up anywhere. But all the memories we've had elsewhere, you know, without even alcohol are still fun. Oh, you don't have to have alcohol yeah, no, to have fun. Not at all. And that's that's one thing I've definitely come to learn since about six and a half, seven years ago was you definitely do not need alcohol to have a good time if you've got good friends, yeah. good conversation that can take you just as far. That that's exactly right. We we did drink a lot, but that's just we were in college and yeah, didn't care. Just young kids being dumb. <laughs> just Luckily like, we made it through it. Just like the time I stayed on phone with uh Susan from Alabama Power when we were at the river that day when uh the power was out. Oh yeah. I stayed on the phone with Susan for <laughs> solid two hours because I was determined to figure out why our power was yep, out. Yep. But those all those times of I think they've gotten us to where we are as people. Yeah, no doubt. They they definitely shaped us. They they've kept us together and like I said earlier, uh, I have Cantley as my biological brother, but mm-hmm. I also have three others and yeah. two guys. And I love, I've loved seeing each of y'all progress in life. I'm glad we could all be a part of each other's lives. Dude, same here. One day we'll eventually all have kids. Maybe I don't know. Hope so. I, hope I get. So. Asked, I need. I need you guys to catch up. I get asked a lot, man. I need you guys. To, I, I won't pressure you into it by any means, but I definitely, I definitely need you guys to catch up, though. We'll try. It's it's tough, especially when I come back. It's, you know, it's going to be tough being the only one. <laughs> like I said, though, no pressure. Yeah, no pressure here. I need you guys to catch up, though. We'll try. Maybe. Who knows? I don't put a timeline on. Oh, you, you know, shouldn't. You shouldn't. But, live it to the live it to the utmost extreme. That's yeah. what I say. <laughs> so we're gonna uh, kind of bring this to a close. Shane is one of my very very best friends. If you can't tell, he is. we talk every day. There's not a day where we don't talk. Oh, absolutely not. No. Um, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to go a day without talking to y'all. Especially when you're on night shift. Me, you and I yeah. keep each other yep. going. Yep. You know, through our shifts and uh, but. Dude, I love you. You're you are my brother. There's zero doubt about it. Um, I can't wait till you're back. Hey, same here, man. Same I'm, here. I'm glad you could squeeze me in while you're home. Oh no, dude. I'm. It's like I, I was telling you before we got on here. When you when you texted me and said, "Hey, man, I want to have you on the podcast," I don't think I stopped smiling for about an hour because <laughs> well, I, I know I know how much this means to you, and I know the potential that this has, and I just being a small part of it. Dude, it brings me so much joy, and I cannot wait to see this take off for you. Who knows? You know, maybe one day Pass the Jar could be hosted by Drake Pippen and Shane Murray. Hey, if you'll have me, hey, I'll be here. You see the grind. Oh, and I love <laughs> it, dude. I <laughs> love it. I love it, too. Um, but once again, man, I want to thank you for your time. I do a little 30-second blast of questions. It's called The Last Shots. I've been known to take a few. Um, <laughs> you haven't hit this jar yet. Okay. Well, that, yeah, uh, I, I believe that's our, the name of the podcast. Our favorite barber in the world, Eric. Oh, yeah. So generously love that guy. Yeah. Love that guy. Uh, it's a little 30-second blast of questions. One word, two word answers if you want. Okay. If you win, you get nothing. Maybe a hug before you leave. But if you lose, you also get nothing. 
Oh, well, hey, what's there to lose then? I mean, this is right up my alley. When there's nothing, we just passed the jar for the first time on this podcast, by the way. We have, we have been sipping on Wild Turkey 101. <sighs> we, we try to keep it classy. Yeah, it hurts, don't it? No, that is good. It hurts. It's good. I love I love good, That's good it. moonshine. Well, I'm, I'm into hurt. Yeah. Hurt. I like hurt. I hurt myself so, today. Yeah. All right. Shout out to Johnny Cash. There, there's a... The, the younger kids have kind of lost touch, if you ask me. The very last... Uh, I know we try to close this out, but there's one thing in this world, or two things in this world that Shane has contributed to our group of friends. Those are Shane Eyes and Shane Death Sickness. Let me go ahead and let the, uh, the public in on that. The Shane Death Sickness is one thing you do not want to encounter, and it is something that is completely avoidable by basic insurance. <laughs> The um the no insurance method of the Shane Death Sickness involves wrapping yourself in as many layers of clothes as possible in the hottest room you can find and just sweating your illness <laughs> out until until the smell from your human body just repulses your friends away from you. Yeah. In our group, all we have to say is I've got the SDS. We all know what it is right off the bat. Yep. The Shane yep. Death Sickness. <laughs> Shane eyes came from a story of Shane had a little too much fireball one night. Now, the premium cinnamon whiskey has been known to bite me a time or two. We we took a group picture. We yeah. were all looking at the camera. I was looking at all the cameras. <laughs> there just happened, only happened to be one. <laughs> Shane, Shane was looking at not the camera that <laughs> the photo was taken off. And that, and he's noticeably holding a bottle of fireball in this picture. <laughs> hence where Shane eyes came from. Absolutely. That, that happens to the best of us, I like to believe, or at it, least I tell myself. It changed from numb eyes to Shane eyes. Yep. Real yep, quick. Yep. And uh, Shane, that that shows how much of an influence Shane's had on all of us. <laughs> you know, he he inspired us all to grow up a little bit. But he hey, if I can us. inspire one person, I've done my purpose. You've inspired three, at least. That makes my heart full. <laughs> so we're gonna jump into the last shots. We'll close this out. Uh, when you sit and talk to your best friend, time goes by real quick. It does. It does. So I wouldn't have it any other way, though. In the future, if you see the episode with. Shane, Colby, Dylan, and Drake. Mm-hmm. You're in for a good one. Oh, absolutely. It's going to happen one day. Absolutely. I, oh, God. It'll happen very, very soon. I think I just got goosebumps thinking about it. <laughs> We've been through hell and back together. We've been through the darkest times, the best times. That's, I think that's, that's been the one, that's been the one consistent thing through all of it. We're a family. Yep. There's no way around it. I've always said blood doesn't make you family, especially when it comes to you guys. Yeah, absolutely, man. So we're going to jump into the last shots. Folks. You're about to know Shane Murray, Staff Sergeant Shane Murray. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, here we go. Last shots, dude. Ready? Oh, yeah. And favorite memory? All time would probably be that uh, Atlanta trip that we took just for the four of us. If not that, then I'm going to have to throw out the uh, birth of my children. Favorite golfer? Tiger Woods, no doubt. Favorite movie? Friday Night Lights. Favorite TV show? Friday Night Lights. Favorite music? Artist? Favorite music artist right now, Style with Children's. I'm going to kick. Favorite liquor? Oh, that's that premium cinnamon whiskey, brother. Now, I will go back and forth between some Jack Fire and cinnamon whiskey. The old fireball. Anything cinnamon? Yeah, pretty much. Can you wait? To, are you excited about moving back? Dude, I am ecstatic. Are you proud of what you've accomplished in the Air Force? I'm proud that I've made you guys proud. And that's the end of the last shots. Folks, this is, once again... My one of my very very best friends, Shane Murray. 
Uh, this has been the Hick Hop Party. Hey, thank you for having me, man. I look forward to coming back. We're going to, like I said, who knows, this may happen very frequently until people get tired of listening <laughs> to us, I guess. Um, I Which love you, brother. If you get tired of listening to us, just tell your friends about us. Yeah. Please, tell your friends. Uh, if you're listening to this, if you listen on Apple, please give a five-star rating and a written review that helps us in the search algorithms subscribe unsubscribe and then subscribe again yeah do it again uh share us on facebook at pass the jar pod chain if anybody wants to follow you you're not very active on social media these days yeah but. no i've kind of fallen off but um if if anything just just give my boy drake as much uh publicity as possible that's all i want to see i want to see my friends grow i appreciate that folks like i said this has been shane murray shane Thanks for coming on, dude. Yeah, I do. Thank you for having me. I love you, brother. Love you, man. All right, buddy. This is the end of this episode of Pass the Jar. Thank you for listening and in- enduring our uh, lack of intelligence at times. Uh, but this is what happens when good friends get together. So we will see you next time on Pass the Jar. Y'all take it easy. Open a lid. Talk to somebody different than you. More importantly, Pass the Jar. <laughs>